Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. for a cross if he can uh, get the better of Gillespie Richardson now on Harper Ratcliffe joining in and Crumble Hello and welcome to another podcast from A View from the Bullins with me Mick Kemp Carl McKenna and Everton's most decorated captain ever, Kevin Ratcliffe. Kev, thanks for joining us. Thanks, lads. We start off today with the 3-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday, which which sends Everton through to round five. Carl, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, thought it was job well done, to be honest with you, Mick. Everybody... It's hard to explain, really. Absolutely outstanding at times, weren't me? And, you know, that's, that's what we've sort of been crying out for. And in cup games, especially where we've we've always thought this is going to be potential one of them, you know, Rotherham games, when really we should have been, you know, putting them out out of the game early doors as well. But not, not to be, we've definitely learned from then. And I think uh, last night we were, we were at the races, weren't we, from the way get-go and, it looked to me that like Ancelotti and, and his ethos is, is rubbing off on some of the players because, you know, a few outstanding performances from players who haven't been playing too well as well last night, I thought, again. So, all in all, Mick, I thought we were uh, at the races and, and a fantastic performance, mate, to be honest. 
Kev, it, it, it was a lot different, wasn't it, compared to the Rotherham game in the previous round? Against Rotherham, it was it was laboured, it was slow, and <laughs> we almost looked uh, a little bit devoid of ideas at times. But this game yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday, you know, we looked very comfortable, didn't we? And it's about as comfortable as it gets being an Evertonian. That I, I think it's uh, what you said there that you know uh, cup competitions before we've looked laboured and maybe thinking it's a bit too easy. We should be winning. Um, that's harder said than done if you don't start right. And I think, like you say, the intent and the the tempo that we played at was uh, was a lot better than what I've seen. I've seen us doing it in some league games um, where we play with a good tempo. But when we don't, we just look, like you mentioned there, laboured. And I don't think then we have got that creativity when there's numbers behind the ball. Um from too many players, obviously, uh, James Rodriguez has got that quality that he can. Um, but so he should have against Sheffield Wednesday. We're, we're playing against mm. the championship side. Um, we want to see that more when we're playing against the likes of Leicester's um, and teams like that. But when we play in the league and we play with that sort of tempo, which is a high higher tempo, the passing's a lot sharper, um, you know, and crisp then we cause teams problems. But I think when we take our time at the back and we have three or four touches and allow teams to get beat, we find them hard to break down. Um, you yeah. know, we've, we've got to use the pace that we've got with Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin to our full extent. And we don't do that sometimes when we're a little bit slow in the build-up. Mm. Carl, looking at James Rodriguez, which Kevin's just touched on, he was outstanding last night. And I, and I know it was only against Sheffield Wednesday, with all due respect, but he, he had a free role last night. And what a difference he makes when he's on like that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. When he, when he's on blob, Mick, you can see why he was at the top leagues, can't you? And you can see why he got you know bought by top, top club clubs in the top leagues. But I think last night, you know, they're the games where you do expect you to, like like Kevin just touched on then, you know, you know, with Sheffield Wednesday of you know, all teams are championship side and you know, we expected him to step up there and, and he surely did. And you know, I think that's another what was it, eighty eighty five minutes under his belt, was it, or something like that? I can't I can't yeah, recall. Yeah. You know, it's a good good for us moving forward, isn't it? But uh Kevin touched on it again there about, you know, maybe Leicester's game, you want to see a bit more from him in them big games. But no doubt in his ability, mate. I mean, second to none. Like I've said in, in previous podcasts, when you give him the ball, he's one of them players where you're thinking, I need to move now because nine times out of ten, he's going to find me. Mm. And you can see mm. the players when he gets it. When he gets it deep, everyone starts moving. And it's going to have defence defenders worrying because there's no way you can mark him that deep, really. So as soon as he's picking it up, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, you know, possibly a Wobie if he gets back in the team on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, then obviously they're all moving around now as soon as he picks the ball up and it was quite a joy to watch last night. I thought we looked really fluent and he was definitely, definitely the focal point of most of the play. Mm, Kevin, you've played in some outstanding Everton teams and played with some unbelievable footballers, but how much of a lift does it give the other set of players when they have someone like James Rodriguez in the team on pomp? Do you feel like you can just give him the ball and just say, there you go, Yeah, you know, you open up the game there, for us there now? Is, um... There is that thing mindset into you that if you're in trouble, just give him the ball and you know he'll retain. But what I won't don't want to see uh, Hammers is uh, Rodriguez is is actually dropping too deep and then being the last midfield player um, mm. because you know you, you see it when he's further up the field that he sometimes does lose the ball. But then you've got 
you know, two, maybe two midfield players that can recover. You've got the back four that are recovering as well. They're, they're already there. So in them areas, you're not too bothered. Um, but if he was mm. ended up too deep and he was the last midfield player, I wouldn't want him maybe taking a chance um, too much, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's something that we, we've got to be playing him as high up the pitch as we can uh, so that we can link in between uh, himself and the, the striking force really it's going to be interesting really how he's going to go against the likes of Leicester you know because you know Hamis is a, is a really really good player but is he a team player is he a, is he one of them that's going to dig deep for you when things aren't going I don't think he is so you're looking at mm-hmm. a Yobi maybe coming in down that right hand side to play against somebody like a Leicester who his work rate is second to none I think Yobi, you know, going forward and and working back. I know you're going to miss that little bit of quality um, that the Hammers brings to the side, but maybe there is a position that he can play in. Um, that the big thing is, I've never really seen him play in big games for the likes of Real Madrid and uh, Bayern Munich. You know, when there's a big game on, um, he's not really been selected when he's playing against the better teams mm. for them teams. Uh, and there's, there's a Kev, reason behind think, that. Kev, Kev, sorry, do you think in this sort of game coming up against Leicester, we will touch on Leicester in a bit more depth later on, but just talking about it now, do you think it'd be an option to put him more in the middle, almost in behind DCL, with obviously a Wobi on the on the flank who will obviously track back and then say maybe Richarlison on the other side who will also track back? So do you see Hammers more of a, a central player, obviously, but the one just behind the striker rather that, than that's an option? That is that is definitely an option for me um, because you're exposing yourself because we know that Leicester like to get the full-backs forwards. They've got good width as well mm. in them. Um, the lad Barnes is mm. is doing really well this season. Um, yeah, so you need that little protection, bit of protection maybe for the full-back, um, whoever you know, the manager decides because obviously he surprises us with sometimes his team selection in the back four. You know, no, Holgate playing mm. instead of Keane. I think Keane's been magnificent this year. Mina seems to have a, yeah. you know, a better understanding this year with either of uh, Holgate or or Keane. He seems to suit Keane at the moment. I think better than maybe Holgate. Um, but it, it, you know, this, this is what the manager is good at. He's good at picking a side to get a result. Um, so you know, if you're playing with Hamas in the middle, more or less offer. You know, like to Calvert Lewin, then you've got to look at your other two midfield players. Have got to be sitters and protecting mm-hmm. um, of what they've got. So they, they, them two are really supporting um, Rodriguez. That if he does lose it, they're there to protect that. Um, so that's you know the the thing is when you do bring him into the middle. If they do that tomorrow, I'm not quite uh, on Wednesday. I'm not quite sure. I'm not. It's it, it's. But this is great now because we're now we can't predict the team. Whereas in the past, I think we've been predicting yeah. the team. But that just shows you how far mm, we've actually come. Yeah. That we're not quite sure. You know, Gilfie Sigurdsson all of a sudden has come back into the frame because of his performances. Yeah, yes. Um, and we're, we're seeing mm, a, yeah. a different Gilfie Sigurdsson. I, I do think he's playing in his his better position, which is as you know, offer off a main striker. Um, so. You know, you would think if uh, Hammers uh, goes and plays off uh, Calvert-Lewin, then it's going to be for the likes of Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, and you've got to say that as a team player, I think Gilfie's a better team player than Hammers Rodriguez. But like I say, the manager seems to know 
what he wants for different types of games. Uh, you know, for me, the biggest plus has been uh, the lad Godfrey coming in. I didn't think he'd settle in as quickly as he has done, especially when he's been playing out of position. He's been yeah. outstanding, hasn't he? Um, Carl, there has been some vast improvements with play, uh, with certain performances from players over the recent weeks. Uh, like like Kevin says, people like Sigurdsson have, have really come on leaps and bounds and Yerry Mina and Michael Keane. The curious case of uh, Richarlison at the moment, yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday, he, you know, he hardly set the world alight. Don't get me wrong, he got himself a goal, which, which was much needed for him. Where do we go with him at the moment? Do we keep persevering with him or do we maybe pull him out from the team and give him a break? What, and let him sink more? <laughs> well, what a... <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think Kev's just answered a bit of that for me, yeah? I mean, look, Mick, that's a great question, isn't it? I mean, every, I'll probably have a different opinion on it to, to Kevin here and vice versa because when he's in the team, there's no doubt we're a better team as a team, you know, a unit with him in that team. We, we look we look well more compact and we look we look better, no doubt about it. But with his recent performances and you know, some of us some of us is touching yes, there's touches yesterday. Wow, I mean, I don't know what was going on there, but I've never seen him touch the ball that bad. And he looks a bit laboured. He doesn't um, look happy. So I'm not I'm, it just doesn't look yeah, happy. I'm not at too all sure. I'm not too sure. For me, yeah, no, he, too I, sure. I agree. I'm not Kevin. too sure, Mick, on 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 um, I hate to say it, and I thought I'd never say it, but I am on the fence with the Charles at the moment because Kevin just hit the nail on the head again with the unhappiness, and, and it shows in his game. He's kicking, he's kicking the autumn boards. He's putting his head down when the ball's not going to him in the box. He's not making them last-minute runs that want to get that ball. Okay, he scored a great header, yeah, and a great goal that was offside. But is he only willing to do that now when the ball's played into him? Is he going to suck when it's not like a perfect ball? Is he thinking he's better than? I, the I get the I get the you know, impression the that he's thinking about something bigger. Uh, I think he's he's yeah, thinking about maybe, the, the summer, and maybe got a chance of getting away. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday, guys, it was the first time I've watched Charleston, and I'm a big fan of Richarlison, by the way. It was the first time where I thought he's now becoming mm. a hindrance to the team. The play was breaking down when he was getting the ball. Like like Carl said, his touches yeah, were really touch heavy. Was, yeah, was he was really losing the ball. He was being very wasteful in possession. And it was the first time in a long, long time where mm. I've watched Richarlison. And I've started to think, you're now becoming a bit of a hindrance. Your form is now starting to affect yeah. when we go forward. Kev, you know, like you said regarding Hammers being a team player, you know, do you think Carlo would start looking at Richarlison and thinking, you know, yeah, with all due well, respect, you're not in great form, and people like Alex won't be with Richarlison, At least he gives you something when you haven't got the ball. You know that his positional play and his work rate off the ball is is not too yeah. bad. It's it's something that you've got to say, look, you know that 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 part of his game hasn't really gone away from him. But like I say, you know, body language in itself tells you the story. I think, and I just think that maybe he's been. I don't know if he's been tapped up or what, but he just doesn't seem if he wants to be there. You know, he looks disappointed all yeah. the time, unhappy. Uh, and like I say, you can tell a lot in a person's body language and he certainly shows you the wrong type of body language to me at the moment. Um, I, I'd like to think... It's upsetting you know, a bit as well, isn't it? He, he's going to be there next year. Um, and, and he could well be if we get, you know, European football. But if we don't get European football... It's not just him. There's maybe one or two others that might be looking elsewhere, um, depending on what we bring in as well. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about him at the moment because, like I say, we, I think you know when we first brought him in, I didn't think we think that he'd be as good as what he was. We thought he'd be a good player, but 
he, he's been uh, one of the better better signings, hasn't he? In uh, in the years gone by, yeah, under yeah. the last couple of regimes. Mm, Kev, on a previous podcast, we did speak about mm. Richarlison's form, um, and I think it was Carl or, or Lee who actually said that they feel that maybe because DCL's kind of took the um, a lot of the goals this year, shall we say, Richarlison's probably probably not feeling like he is the main man this season so much and probably not feeling as, as important, I suppose. I know some players feel like that way and a lot of it is is a mental thing in football. Would you think it, it could be that? And he probably feels that he's kind of almost been pushed aside a little bit because of Calvert-Lewin's great well, form? it's only because of his form. If he got his form together, then maybe he'd still be up there. <laughs> you know, the, the, we've mm-hmm. always been told uh, and brought up as that you've set the standards as a player. And you fall below them mm. standards, then questions are going to be asked. And at the moment, you're questioning, I'm questioning. You know, the standard that he set is nowhere near as what he's pre- performing at at the moment. Um, and if he was, you know, he gets a goal last night, didn't he? So, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, asset is there. Um, but you just thought, you just like to, I just don't get that loving feeling that he's in love with the football club. Um, no. And if you're not showing that, then you know, I, is your mind elsewhere? It can't be good. It can't be good for yeah, some I, I Brazilian coming over here, actually, in the weather that it's been like now, anyway. And we're in a lockdown. It can't be any worse <laughs> than, what you, than before. Um, and it is. You know, th- this time any year is always a dull moment and a depressing moment in the country. But when you've got COVID and lockdowns and everything, it's even worse, isn't it? So, you know, where's that beach in the sunshine? <laughs> No, I, I understand, and I, I think I've read in an article. I, I believe he is missing his his family who are who are back home. So um, he's going to go back we, to we Brazil. Forget, you know, he's still a young man. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but he, he, no, he's not. But he's, he's a young man, and he hasn't been able to see his family. So sometimes you feel, you know, he's probably all alone over in Liverpool. Um, you know, he's a all with due respect, he's a, he's a he's a foreigner, and that's well, kind that, of that's where he probably see himself. That's he, he down to the, speak um, English. Players liaison officer, then whoever that is at the club to to mm. to go into mm. that side and help him out. Maybe that you know we can sort of mm. you know sort of team up with one of the other. South he Americans. has been teaching English, hasn't he? He's been teaching English. Yeah, he has been learning English. Kevin, in your career, Kevin, when you were when you were obviously a little younger, did you ever uh, experience this sort of thing with a player? Um, not really. No, no, that didn't want to be at the club. No. Um, <laughs> no, we don't know that. But we don't know, know that. Yeah. But that's what we I mean. You, you, no, we don't you're know sort that. of going on about, aren't you? You're yeah. sort of saying, you, you, did, was there a player that wasn't? Yeah. Look, the only players that weren't happy were the players that weren't playing. You know, you, they, they maybe weren't happy that they weren't in the team. and um, You know, and leading on maybe to later, uh, sort of early 90s, late 80s, that, you know, when players were coming to the end of their Everton careers that, weren't happy at the club because they weren't playing. Um, so, but that's the only only reason. Not when you're in the team and you're playing week in week out. Um, at the end of the day, the players wouldn't let you do that. You know, the players were strong enough to manage mm. the rest of the players, um, and I don't think there's enough of that at the moment anyway. Not not just in our side, but mm. everywhere. Yeah, that's been that's, yeah. But I, I in think general, ours, mm. our our club's not too bad, you know, in the way that we address certain issues you know when you've got long serving players there and players that have come through the ranks 
um, and now we're in the first team. And they're becoming strong personalities. And the likes of Seamus Coleman, who, who's the captain and everything, will we'll see that and maybe, you know, try to do something about it. Where, you know, you'd be getting words of encouragement from mm. somebody like Seamus or telling you to pull your finger out or whatever. Uh, but you don't see too many other, especially people that have actually come in from other clubs. Um, you know, the foreign element, you wouldn't see doing that, I wouldn't have thought. Well, looking ahead, guys, um, you know, end of the day, Richardson got his goal. We all, we all hope he would score. He got his goal and hopefully his form does pick up. Looking ahead, Carl, we've got a, a huge game on Wednesday against Leicester City at home. No Decore, no Alan. Um, you know, the midfield, that central area has been exposed before in, in previous games without those two. Leicester have no Jamie Vardy, who is uh, recovering from a hernia operation. How do you see this one playing out, Carl? Tough game, tough game. Um, you know, a bit like the Wolves scenario. We're in there, aren't we now? Where we're going there thinking they had no striker. Um, we didn't have a striker at the time, whereas now we haven't got any midfielders. Um, I mean, look, I think we all know that when Alan and Decore are back fitting that team, there ain't going to be no space for anybody else in there, is there, unless there is an injury. So, we, he's going to have to make do with what, what he's got at his disposal at the moment. But Tom Davis was rested yesterday, so I imagine he's going to play in that hold and role like he did against Wolves. I think he played against um, Leicester at Leicester as well. I imagine goal. Tom Davis. Did he play? Yeah. I, I believe he did, yes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest, about that one, Kev. But yeah, I think I recall him playing, yeah. But, I mean, look, you know, he, he played well against Wolves and... I, I see him in there doing an, an half-decent job again. I, I just worry about that centre midfield, though, because these are a bit better than there than Wolves, mm. i.e. pace-wise. Um, and I think we might get caught out in there. I'd probably, I'd probably adapt a bit more of a cautious approach on Wednesday and, and make sure that, that no-one's left vulnerable in there. Because I think the game can be won in there. And then if we can break that down and possibly get like Iwobi further up the field with the Charlottson, and then Calvert-Lewin, you know, give him a chance at the moment. He's, he's scoring, isn't he? So, opportunity is still there for the Blues, definitely on Wednesday. I just think that the centre midfield part is going to be a, a tricky situation for Carlo. And I think he, he he's well aware of what he can do with it when, when we are suffering. So, I imagine he, he will probably give Davis and Gomez the, the nod for the game on Wednesday. Are you saying that then, Carl? Well he, do you think that Gilfie Sigurdsson would definitely play in the centre of midfield then to make that as strong as you can? Yeah, I think I would, Kev. Yeah, only because yeah. he knows that position really well, doesn't he? Like, yeah. you know, you know what you're getting out of, out of Gilfie. And to be fair to him, Kevin, like yeah. you said, he, he has played well, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, he's, he's ran his socks off in well, every I'm single looking game at I've team, seen this yeah. season. I'm looking at the teams he's, above he's us at the moment. And out of the five teams above us, the top three in Man United, Man City and Leicester, they're the informed sides. And Leicester have been proving that once again, mm. you know, they've got their act together. And under Brendan Rodgers, the they're proving quite a threat, I think. Um, I think if we can get through this game without losing it, um, and if we if we do win it, that takes us literally three points away from them with two games in hand. And they're having a great, great time know, at the moment. We're just going under everybody's radar because they don't think we're good enough to finish in the top four. And I think this is a great opportunity this year. I know. For the likes of ourselves, the likes of even West Ham. Um, we've seen Chelsea now. Where are they going to go? 
um, you know, with a new manager coming in. Um, but it, it's, I just think it's wide open to get a fourth place at the moment. If we can, mm. it'd be brilliant. Mm. If we don't, as long as we finish, I think, in the, in the top eight, um, hopefully in the top six, I, I think we did, we'll have a great, great season. Um, but, you know, this, this is, you know, tough game. I think they they were under par against us yeah, it is. Um, when we played them. Um, they were missing a few players, and I think we struck when the iron was hot. And we, mm, well, since that game, Kev, since yeah, that game, they're yeah. now eight. So it just shows you how well they've done. Um, you know, mm. I'm, I, look, I, I'm not afraid of anybody at the moment. That's a good thing going into games, not being afraid. Whereas before. I'm thinking yeah, we'll, sure, we'll yeah. do well if we get a, a draw out of this game. You know, with the way that we've been playing and the players that we've got, chances that we create, then I'm going in very optimistic into games, thinking that, you know, that, you know, we get the chances, we're going to win the game. Uh, keep a clean sheet, which you don't often say yeah. with us sometimes in the past, that keeping clean sheets. Um, mm. But we seem to have got our act together at the back. A little bit, you know. The, I mean, I think that's down to the likes yeah, of Keane and Mina, sort of up in their game, especially Keane this year. I think he's been uh, revitalised. Really, he, he's been just touching on the just touching on the defence, Kev. At the start of the season, mm-hmm. we were leaking goals and we looked very ropey. Um, I don't think anybody really knew what our best back four was. I think everyone obviously thought Luca Dean was the best left back, but then the other three positions were all up for grabs. But since since the first few games have gone in the past, Carlo hasn't half improved I think he's that, that back line. He's had to because there's nothing coming through in, you, that's good enough to you, play in the first team. So you, he's had to persevere mm. with what he's got and shuffle the pack. Um, and it's worked wonders, to be fair. Yeah, and I think we all, you know, like every team, uh, you know, the suspect at the back sometimes. You look at Man United, top of the league. I mean, at times they look so suspect. Um and I, I just think the way the way the game's being played at the moment and the rules that you've got, it makes it very very difficult to be, you know, a, a, a defender. You know, the the sort of advantage is being given over to the the, the strikers and the forward thinking players really because it's very very hard to defend. You've got to make sure that if you're going in for the tattle, you're a hundred percent sure you're going to win it. Um, slightly miss it, you're not just booked. You could be sent off. Um, and you know, especially the way people sort of fray injuries, um, it's it's very difficult mm. to defend at the moment. Um, also, you know, but I think we've coped really well this year. They, Carl, just touching on the defence, they have improved, haven't they, since the start of the season? Michael Keane, Yerry Mina, and Ben Godfrey as well, especially. They've been absolutely outstanding, haven't they? And, and going into this Leicester game, you'd expect that these guys are going to have to also, again, you know, be at the top of their game to give us a chance. Yeah, I don't think they'll be brimming in confidence, won't they? Like, you know, they can't they can't have any more of them after they've been playing. They should be going into that game with no Vardy as well to deal with. So, you know, I'd have to imagine they'd be fairly confident that they can keep a clean sheet there. I mean, whether or not Ben Goffrey plays left-back again, I'm not too sure on what will happen with that one. Is Dinya out injured, is he? Or... Yeah, no, Dinya and Alex will be back. There that maybe they can't play that, two uh, games in... or three games in eight days or something. Yeah. So that that's good. Yeah. Touching on yeah. that got three, got three though. Jesus. He's quick, isn't wow. he? How quick is he, by the way? My God. Uh, I believe his hands are a he's little a bit quick. Quicker. Boy, him. He's gonna be 
I've I've seen him do a bit of boxing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure you've seen that video. I'm sure you've yeah. seen. Oh yeah, the boxing video. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know yeah, where yeah, that was no, going no, there, no, Kev. <laughs> 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 yeah. Steady on, lads. Steady on. But yeah, he's been he's been he's been an absolute sign and oh wow. Do you know what I was, I, for him? I mean, I was the pace. You can work with the pace alone. Wasn't quite sure about him when he signed. Um, thinking we spent a lot of money then. I'm looking mm. at a lad Joe Roden that's gone to um, Spurs from Swansea for I think it was like Spurs. 10 million, yeah. 12 yeah. million. Mm. Now that's a snip. That that lad's going to be a top player, the lad Joe Roden. Um, and I was wondering where mm. the difference was. You know that sort of 10 million difference between Godfrey and him. Um, I, I still don't see that to be fair, but I, I must admit I'm more. I'm really surprised how well he's actually taken to. Do you know what I like? He he shows players where to play the ball, and then he goes and he is committed. Yeah. Um, he's going to get it wrong once or twice, no doubt about it. Yeah, but he, he shows people where he wants the ball being played, and you go and play it to the winger, and he's like whack, he's straight in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. he's great. He played well again last night. And that that fullback or winger for them was very very quick, and I thought. Mm. Let's see what he's up against here. And he had him for a leg race the first five minutes, I think. And the full-backs obviously thought, oh, here we go again. Not getting past him. Then yeah. So that yeah. was, that's oh, what he's needed, confident enough with his pace, which is great to see. Um, I'd like to see him have a run at centre-back at some, mm. some point. But uh, at this moment in time, I don't think you can uh, take that away yeah. from the three lads in Mina, Keane and, and Holgate. No, they're being perfect, haven't they? As far as centre backs go for us, and the whole gate's being pushed out. Um, Goffrey's being pushed out there, but all gate's being pushed out to right back. I, as think, well, that, I so think that's because you know um, the injuries. It's nice to the see the balance had. Then you know yeah. the, the shuffling yeah. about, so that they're not playing too many games and picking up another injury. So that's nice to see that the, that the manager's confident enough to play these guys at a position in the, in them positions. I mean, we lose a little bit of quality. When Dinye and uh, and Sheamus are, are, yeah, are injured and they're not playing, but the lads that have come in, are, I think most probably are better defenders than the other two. You know, you, yeah, you got them going. I mean, forward, that's what that's as, what... as defenders yeah. in Godfrey and uh, Holgate, they're most probably better defenders than Sheamus and Dinye. Yeah, Kev, you, you, you've spoke about Godfrey and about his performances and about you know his attitude and the way he talks to players. And you've also mentioned leaders. Do you, do you feel that he could be a potential future captain at Everton Football Club? Oh, look, there's uh, there's quite a few players there now that uh, you know, if they're still at Everton Football Club, uh, you know, in that mould, you know, Mason Holgate we've talked about in the past. Uh, Godfrey, yeah, certainly looks as if he's a leader in that way. And uh, you know, Calvert Lewin, you've got to say as well that you know the way that he is, and he sort of. You know, has dealt with his sort of uh, uprising, really. So there's there's scope there for plenty of people. You know, you got Michael Keane, who all of a sudden looks as if he's going to be, you know, the mainstay there as a centre back, and it's whoever sort of uh, produces to play alongside him. Um, for me, so it's uh, like I say, good options. Always nice to have if you've got a few leaders in the side rather than just the one. Mm. Yeah. Okay, guys, looking ahead to Leicester, then I'd like both of your predictions, please. Carl, I'll start with you. 2 1 Everton. 2 1 Everton. And Kev, what's your prediction? 
Yeah, um, look, with, with the likes of Leicester and the way they're going, I can't see oh, was... them not scoring. Um, so for us to win the game, we've got to score at least two goals. So I'll go along with that 2-1. I'll take that all day, okay. every day. Okay, yeah, yeah, so would I. I'll go 1-1. One, one. I think we'll take a point. I think it'll be 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Won't be a bad result, that. No, I'll take that. Like I say, uh, four points, I think, from the next two games. Leicester and Newcastle, I think we'd all pretty much take that, wouldn't we? Four points from those two. Well, let's get the three first. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, like we said, you, you played in some unbelievable teams. Um, 492 appearances. Um, you know, the most, the most decorated Everton captain ever. Um, you know, FA Cup, League Championships, European Cup Winners' Cups, uh, 59 caps for Wales, I believe. Amongst all that, the derby wins, the trophies, what what was the, the best moment of your career, do you feel? Uh, oh God. I think winning the FA Cup, um, mm. for me, you know, um, you know, being brought up in Evertonian and, you know, in, in them days, that was your... That was the big thing, you know, as a kid, you coming in and uh, watching the FA Cup on a FA Cup final day from sort of nine, ten o'clock in the morning right the way through till depending. You'd watch it about three or four times over the weekend, wouldn't you? Didn't matter who mm -hmm. was in the FA Cup final. So the build-up was immense. Um, and that was a big part of the FA Cup then. You know, being, mm -hmm. you know, the media attention you had to the type of media attention you had through the season um, was completely different. It was even bigger than Derby days, you know, and that was, that was a big sort of, um, you know, once that game, the weekend before the Derby game was over, then he, he all would be talked about all week and the press coming in, play, um, friends, people coming in, looking for tickets um, would be immense. Um, and completely different than it ever was in the through the season, um, and that was exactly the same for an FA Cup. The pressure on you to get tickets and everything there was more pressure on you off the pitch than it there was when you were on it mm. as a player, because you know you you've got to disappoint people because you're only allowed so many certain amount of tickets. So you know who gets the tickets? You, you're sorting that out. You're <laughs> disappointing, and they're phoning you up. You know the pressure on you is. Honestly, it, I could I could have done without that. Yeah, uh, I, I just didn't like that part of the the job, and um, it was yeah yeah more pressure. Like I say, the, a bit of a release actually playing in, in the game to get it out mm. of the way. Well, beating Watford two 0 in mm. the in the final, you know, you became the youngest captain since Bobby Moore, which was twenty years mm. prior. Uh, you know, the match signalled the start of the most successful period in our club's history. Uh, in the next three seasons, you, you know, you're skipping Everton to the European Cup to win a cup, two league titles and, and two more FA Cup finals. Did you believe at that point when we, when you won the FA Cup that we would go on to be so successful after that period? Well, I think the one was the uh, the League Cup when we played Liverpool in the League Cup um, and narrowly lost at Main Road in a replay. I think that gave us a belief that we wanted more as well. You know, the belief that we were as good as Liverpool who were the best team in the country at that time, um, and the belief that we were as good as them. Um, and then, mm. you know, we get to the FA Cup final, and I think in five years we got to four FA Cup finals, or six years we got to mm. four FA Cup finals, something like that. Um, yeah. Unlucky, you know, we lost two, uh, lost three, and won one, and really narrowly sort of lost against Liverpool. Um, but, 
No, I, I, it gives us a, a belief. And, you know, when you get a taste of success, you, you either sort of lose lose it all completely and are not very, very successful, or you are successful because you've tasted that and you want more. Uh, I think that's what it gives us. It gives us that taste. Um, I didn't think we'd go on and win the league the following year after the FA Cup win against Watford. I must admit, you know, were we that good to produce that week in, week out? But, you know, momentum um, and the games coming up, you didn't really have to, you know, have to think about the games. The games are coming thick and fast. And mm-hmm. for me, that's a great thing as a player. You know, you, you, all you're doing is preparing yourself to be fit for the next game um, and, and, and just ticking over. And that's what we did. And I think the manager, I did right the way that he trained us the amount of time off he gave us, um, which seems a little bit different now with the way the players are trained. Um, but it's, yeah, it certainly worked for us, the way that we uh, mm-hmm. we addressed everything, the way the manager addressed it. And and sometimes you're only as good as what the manager addresses things and the, the way he did with his composure, um, mm. you know, going into training sessions and having fun training sessions, um, you, you know, wanting to go into train. Um, and a disappointment if you weren't training. What have you missed out on on that day? Um, so yeah, mm. it was it was it was good times to be you know training and be an Everton football club. Mm. After after such a successful period in, in Everton's history, Kevin, uh, you know what did you think was missing after '87 in terms of winning a couple of more titles or cups under under Colin Harvey? What were we lacking? Do you feel? Well, we come close, um, mm. and we come close with the lesser teams really. You know, that uh, from that 85, 87 era, um, I, I would say the teams weren't good, as good, but we were so close. Um, but I think, you know, losing Howard when he went to Bilbao was a major disruption. Um, and mm-hmm. also the likes of Gary Stevens and Trevor Stephen going. And I, I thought the, you know, the recruitment part of it then was wasn't as good you know you realize mm-hmm. that how hard and how difficult it was to replace the players that were leaving um mm-hmm. or players that were coming or supposedly coming to the end of their careers you know um it, it, it proved difficult i think to to actually sort of bring in the players to um succeed them Mm, that's really interesting because we've had a lot of questions come in, Kev, mm. uh, regarding this particular question. And, and one of the questions that have come in, it's been repeated, was uh, could you please ask Kevin what player should we have signed in that era to help us stay at that top level? Was there ever a point in, in your career at Everton where you felt, especially at that time, where we were linked with players or and we missed out on a player and you always thought that would have been the guy, he'd have been the player that would have, you know, gave us that edge? <laughs> um, not really. I'm not Look, the biggest one for me was Howard leaving. Mm. If Howard don't leave, that club might have still been successful in them in that era and won things. Like I said, it, it's from the from the manager down to the players uh, was very very hard to replace. And I don't think Howard got replaced. Um, you know, it's it's you know Colin was a really good coach, but I think thank you for the you know found that. Transaction from being a coach to a manager was, you know, a little bit harder. Um, mm. I think sometimes the staffing as well that you, you, you have around you. I don't, you know, Colin was um, quite loyal to his staff and everything. And he's hard. He's quite single-minded, Colin. 
Um, very good coach. Communication maybe was his downfall. Um, and I think that's what Gat Howard was good at. His, his communication with the players was really, really good. And he had a good sidekick in, in Colin. It was excellent, mm. you know, so it was good cop, bad cop type of thing, um, yeah. which you all need. You always need. Um, but uh, I think Colin tried to change things as well. Um, and obviously the players that were coming in, I, I didn't think were as good as what the players were going out, even though they were finished. You know, Peter Reid left mm. the football club and still played on for another four years. Mm. Um, at the likes of Southampton, QPR and Manchester City. Um, mm. You know, I... I yeah, and he was still better than what we were bringing in. Mm. So uh, that was a difficult one. Um, you know, how do you replace somebody like Kevin Sheedy? Mm. Well, you don't. <laughs> you know, Graham Sharp at his, his peak. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, the then type of players, Trevor Stevens, Gary Stevens, you know, you can go on and on and on. Mm. Um, but, you know, players weren't being replaced, you know, by the, the same calibre of players that were coming to the end of their careers or being, you know, sold on. Mm. Do you, do you feel if the European ban hadn't have happened, uh, and say obviously you know, do you, do you feel that Everton would have gone on to be that you know powerhouse of European football had the ban not happened? Well, most probably that you know you're looking at the Trevor Stephen and Gary Stephen scenario, they would have still most probably been at the club, um, mm. and you know Howard would have been as well. So them three alone, you know, when you lose the whole side of a team and your manager then it's difficult, you know. Mm. Um, but no, them them three factors there alone, I think, would have been enough to, you know, make the club uh, a lot more successful than, than it was. Mm. Well, like what happened in your career at Everton, Kev, um, you know, do you feel this current team at the moment with, with Ancelotti in charge, if they, if they just won a trophy, FA Cup, League Cup, anything, you know, do you feel like it would get the so-called monkey off our back and, and the club would kick on and, and really start challenging for more silverware? Do you think they're on the right path? Yeah, I think first and foremost, they've got to get over that hurdle, haven't they? And they, they've got to uh, really, um, yeah, win something, you know, or be part of a final uh, and show that, that you yeah. know, they're going to be, you know, up there. But my biggest fear is if we don't win anything this year or don't get anywhere near the top four or top six, the players start leaving, you know, because mm. their ambitions will want to be playing in Europe, winning things. And we've got a number of players now that maybe are good enough to go on and, and play for, for top teams in Europe, never mind uh, the UK. So, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be a balancing act. And the, the other thing is the, the manager. You know, what happens with the manager if we're not getting European football or success? How long will he be around? Um, because we've seen in, in the in the year that he's been at the the club the massive difference that he's uh, that he's made, you know, in, in the, with the same do players. Feel, do you feel like we've got that good cop bad cop um, synergy with Ancelotti and Ferguson, Kev? I don't think you need that as much now. Um, look, he's, oh, he's, yeah. I he's mean, got that. Like, he's got, just in regards to... I think, look, you've got an experienced manager there, and you've got a, you've got a, a, man, a, a future manager who is learning his trade from one of the best in the trade. Um, mm. uh, and I think he brings that. I, I always think that when you've got, um, you know, a, a person like Angelotti coming in, it's so important to have somebody like a Duncan Ferguson at the football club that you mm -hmm. can actually bounce things off 
because he will tell you things that you would never ever have thought about that club. Now, that if that be Everton or any club in the country, you know Newcastle or West Ham, that that person will actually tell you, you know, what the fans are thinking, um, what they're expecting, and it's like anybody else that comes to Everton Football Club that. You know, if they buy into the fans, then they're going to be loved. And I think that's what Carlo's done really, really well. And I think he's looked at the last three managers in Silva, Allardyce and Koeman. Not not one of the three bought into the the fan base. So, you know, he's he's identified that. And, uh, you know, quite reverse. He's, He's been fantastic. He knows what the fans want. Um, yeah. And he knows what he wants as well, which is most important. Mm-hmm. Just, just touching on that, Kevin. You know, do you feel like it? You know, is it is it really difficult for a manager to come in and and change a mentality within a football club when it has been so long without a trophy, or or do we overthink it as, as fans? And, and do you feel like it's just getting the right players in and and going on a run? Well, obviously, winning games uh, sort of makes everybody believe. Uh, but the one thing you've got to do is make the, the fans believe. Uh, and that's what he's done. You know, you, I don't think under the last, like say, the three managers that we had, that there was a belief within the supporters. You know, you, if, I, if I can use the word hoodwinked, <laughs> mm. that by him, mm. um, you don't. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. And it, look, you... The one thing I've known since my time at Everton and around just outside Liverpool is you can't hoodwink a scouser. <laughs> the one step ahead of the game, right? So you've got to think like them. You can't sort of pull the wool over their eyes, uh, and especially in football terms. Um, so, you know, the, the one thing that I don't, want to do is get too carried away with us at the moment um you know i've seen some of the sort of reports and the fans talking about those beat sheffield wednesday i know we've made hard work of it in the past in the fa cup but look it's sheffield wednesday we should be beating them anyway Mm. um you know it's not them games you should be judging on us and don't think that we've turned the corner with some of the players um because there's plenty of players that have had the chances against other clubs in the FA Cup and, and league games. And they've just shown that they're not up to it at the moment. So the biggest downfall for us is if we start picking up injuries, then we're a weakened side. And you've just hinted there in the start that when we're playing Leicester, ah, oh, you know, we're missing two of our influential players in midfield. Yeah. The Corey and Allen. So, you know, our strength in depth um, I watched the under-23s the other night um, against Liverpool and turned it off after 20 minutes because uh, Coronation Street was on. <laughs> and, uh, there, there, was, there was more happening in Coronation Street than there was in that game. I, I just felt that uh, I was looking at it to see why aren't these, why aren't these guys given a chance? Mm-hmm. You know, if, we, if, we're, if we're that depleted, um, why aren't these guys getting a chance? And the simple question is, they're not quite good enough at yeah. the moment. Mm. Um, now, when it when is that time? When they're going to be good enough? I'm not quite sure. But they need to be getting out on loan, which I think one or two have gone out on loan yeah. in, in this January transfer window, which is great to see. Yeah. 
Braithwaite and I think the lad Sims yeah. has gone as well. Yeah, they both gone. Yeah. I think somebody else. There's a there's a couple of others as well gone. So that that's good to see that they're getting proper game time. Mm. Um, and uh, you know you look at you know that you you look at look at the likes of um, you know Seamus Coleman going out to Blackpool on loan was a, a big thing for him. Um, I think Leon Osman going to Carlisle and then Derby on loan when he was younger. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think Leon really got into the team until he was about 24, 25. Yeah, he was a late developer, wasn't he, so to speak, yeah. Yeah, so you're just thinking that, you know, is is one or two. But sometimes you don't get that amount of time. Mm. Um, and I, I just looked at them and I thought they were a little bit short. So maybe the recruitment's got to be a little bit better because I think you should be knocking on the door. And I've been a big, big criticism of the under-23s that uh, when our players get to about 19, 20, that they come into the side and they look as if they've got a great future, but they never improve. Mm. Um, you know, Calvert-Lewin, I think, has been a massive improvement. But if you look at Tom, Tom Davis, then he doesn't seem to improve from the age of 19. I think he's 22 now. Mm. You know, I actually think that he was a better player when he first came into the side than what he is now. Yeah, we've spoken in depth with, about so, Tom Davis. So, so what, what, what's, what's happened there? What's happened in between? Mm. Yeah, is it a change? You know, is it a change is, is of he... managers, Kev? Do you feel? Do you feel like the change of managers can have an effect on a young player like Tom Davis? That's a good point. Never really looked at it like that. Um, I, I just think that sometimes that when managers come in, that they think that maybe the players that they've got, they don't have to coach, especially the younger ones. And maybe they need to come back and do a little bit more. Mm, yeah. Um, just to learn the game again. Maybe yeah, they're or not, not again, good enough, but, uh, and Maybe they're not good enough, no. Mm. Um, maybe they've achieved what they have. and But, you know, how can somebody like Tom Davis be a better player at 19 than 22? Mm. Yeah, we've had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 yeah. it divides it's it, it divides walk. the fan base. It really doesn't. It you know we get all sorts of comments. But if if it, yeah, if it, if it's anything, it's as no one wants Tom to be more successful than me. Yeah. But I'd love to know what's happened in that period between his first half a dozen games. Yeah, he was good, wasn't to, he? To, yeah, to to where is that Tom Davis of when he was nineteen, uh, twenty years of age? Who we thought. God, this is this lad's showing something mm-hmm. that um, you know. Why do we have to go out and buy something? And then all of a sudden, that's just sort of dwindled away. You know, um, mm. under Cooman and Marco Silva, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, well, uh, it's, it's just, it's just a, just. But we've had so many players like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've had the Rodwells of the world. Yeah. you know that have come in and and done that, and um, you know, really sort of flitted away. I think. You know, it, by the way, it was a great move for Ross Barkley to move from Everton to because his career was going nowhere at Everton because the manager never loved mm. him. You know, the manager never showed a little bit of interest in him and putting his arm around him. Um, that's Cooman, by the way. Yeah. And I think we've lost a really, really good player there. Well, he's playing well at Aston Villa when he's um, fit, isn't he? Now he's, he's he, look, he looks I, good. But that, but that's Ross. Mm. Well, he's been, he, you know, he's one of them players that still should be at the football club. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you what would you give for him now? You yeah, know, in that number ten role. Mm. No, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe we should have tried to keep keep him and try and get him back on board. I thought, like personally, myself. Yeah, yeah. but if 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 your manager don't like you. 
Mm. You know, all of a sudden you look, you, you're a bit dissonant. I, I don't think Ronald Koeman was more in self in love with himself than other players. Mm. Yeah, we, yeah, we you know, do, so he didn't do any anything well. Did he, <laughs> uh, he spent money. He spent money. Well, you know, I, I think I think yeah, he was unlucky in a way. Uh, and lucky, I liked. I liked what he was saying at times. Um, I liked. I, I think his first six games of that season killed him, but it could have killed a lot of managers. Mm. That that fixture, <laughs> mm. fixture oh, list. Yeah. Um, and if he never had that fixture list, who said? Who, who's to say yeah. he wouldn't have still been at the football mm. club? Um, but I still didn't get that feeling he was an Evertonian. Mm. No, I don't think any of us I, I, No, no. It was uh, It was never about us. No. You know, it was never about Everton. It was always, you know, you, know, you, you just didn't get that vibe that he was buying into the football mm. club. And people used to say to me, look, he's, he's only waiting for that Barcelona job to go. I said, yeah, but, you know, to get the Barcelona job, you've got to be doing well at the club that you're at. Mm. That you're at. And, if he's not doing well at our club, then he's not going to get the Barcelona job. I know he's he's dropped lucky, but some some people are like that. But I'm not being funny. I think the Barcelona job is a little bit of a poison chalice, yeah. like the Man United it is. job was. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. It's a revamp. Yeah, completely. you're not wrong. Kev, we can only thank you so much, obviously, for joining us today. One last question before you go. Mm. We've had this question mm. asked for us numerous times. If you're starting a new team tomorrow and you get to pick one player to take with you, who you've played with, who would it be and why? Ooh, Neville. Neville. Uh-huh. I say no <laughs> more. Say no more. That's yeah. all you need to say. Great answer, Kev. Thanks for joining us. Okay. In mate. the meantime, guys, no problem. thank you both for joining me. Guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, unfortunately, Lee McLean couldn't be with us today. Uh, Lee, we wish you and your family all the very best. Uh, mate, and we're all thinking of you, obviously. In the meantime, guys, big game on Wednesday and we will be back Thursday morning with the post-match thoughts. Take care, guys, in the meantime and all the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.